Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. What God is trying to do. And I do know there's many that's had, had storms in, in their lives. I know that. And I, I know that this morning when I was preparing and all week long I've been preparing and writing notes down and writing notes down and Friday night I sat in the chair and started reading the notes and I looked at Paul and you can sit down. I looked at Paul and, and if you guys want to sit down, sit down. I want Luke to stay playing. <laughs> but I told Paul, I got to put my notes down because my mind's over here, it's over here, it's over here because I probably have 20 messages in my notes and you know you can't do it all in one shot. But I know the presence of the Lord is so strong here. And I don't want to disturb it. The Lord kept speaking to me this morning. You know, Adele, doesn't matter what you look like. I don't want them looking at you. I want them looking at me because you know how we women are. He goes, I, wanna, I don't want them looking at you, what you're wearing, what you, what you look like. I want them looking at me. And I just stopped and I said, okay, God. And when we were praying over there, I said earlier, I leaned over, over to Brenda. I said, I don't even know if I'm going to say anything. All I know is I just want the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Because we're broken, we're wounded. We live in, in, a, in a day that is just so run over with sin. Which is why we have to push in harder. We have to push through more. Because we've got to possess the things that God told us that are ours. Has God ever given you a promise that hasn't come forth yet? Does that mean he's not going to answer you? That means a thousand days to us is one minute or a second to the Lord. A thousand years, I mean, to us is one minute, one second to the Lord. So we expect it to be thrown right at us when we've prayed a week. God says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your thousand years are like a day, a minute, whatever it is. So let me do my work and rest in the fact that you know that I will. And so when I was studying this week, I, I was thinking about treasures that God has stored up for us. And I don't know if you, <clears throat> any of you saw Pastor Mike's Facebook. He mentioned the hidden treasures, and I'm like, uh-oh, he's been reading my mail or my notes. And I thought, no, that's the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to learn, and my goal today is to help you to see what your possessions are in the Word of God. So I'm going to use this example real quick. Well, actually, go ahead and put, and you just keep on whatever you got to do. In 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, it says, Everything we 
could ever need for this life. See, I like to add Adele emphasis. And godliness has already been, has already been deposited into us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us, lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. A glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of that, as a result of everything I just read, he has given us magnificent promises that are beyond all price, beyond all price. And Luke, I really feel this is to you. I know it's to others, but listen to this. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond any price so that through the power of these tremendous promises that he has, that he's getting ready to pour on you and your family so that you can experience partnership, partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Is that a good scripture? That's a good promise. The promises of God are without repentance. They are yes and amen. He gives us promises. He gives us promises, but how do we get these promises? How do we get these promises? Do we just go by what we've been taught by our mom, our brothers, our pastor? How do we possess the promises that belong to us? There's something that we have to do. We can't just come to church, sit in the pews on Sunday morning, and receive and receive and receive, and then walk out that door and go and date idols, whatever they may be whether it's your cell phone, whether it's your TV, I don't know. But when we're deposited into, we have to protect that anointing. And we can't defile it with the things of this world. What do you mean, Adele? How do you defile yourself with the things of the world? Well, I want you to know right now, a cell phone, I feel like throwing mine out the window and take that challenge I saw. Anybody else see that challenge? For 500000 I think, just pitch your phone and see if you can stay off of it for one year. There's a lot of you guys that are in this time that you don't even know what it was like to have a house phone. When we got in our cars, were we afraid that we were going to miss that phone call or that text? We just thought, well, if they're trying to get a hold of us, they'll get a hold of us when we get home. Then technology got crazy. And now we can't go anywhere without our phone. And if we do, we stop, turn around and go back and get it. Do I hear a witness? 
Well, I want you to know I left my phone at home today, and we didn't stop and go back and get it, and it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it was a, I said, oops, I left my phone. <laughs> oh, well, that's exactly right. We're held in captivity by things that have never been meant to keep us captive. When we're trying to pray and read, read the Bible and the phones, bing, 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 prrr, whatever phone ring you have, and you're like, oh, I mean, you know, I don't know how guys are, but I know me, at me, I cannot not. Anybody else like that? If I hear ping, I just cannot not. Or ring, I just cannot not. Get the mail, I just can't let it sit there. I got to go get the mail. It's that curiosity in me. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me the last week and a half, you know what, Adele? Let it go. Let it go, because I got some things I want to deposit in you. So I want to tell this story as Luke just keeps on playing, because I believe there's power in music. Your fingers aren't falling off, are they? If you don't want to, Luke, you don't have to. I'll, I'll let you be free. <laughs> but I believe there's wonderful power in music. And if, if that wasn't so, it wouldn't have been in the Bible about David when every time he would get on his harp, Saul would stop trying to kill him. I don't know what David played on that harp. All I know is the word of God said that spirit left Saul, that spirit left, which is why we come together and we pray, and then the worship goes first. It prepares the way for whoever's bringing forth the word to bring that word forth. This morning, I want to tell you about covenants and promises, and trust me, I'm not going to be here long because I know Brenda's going to rip it up after me. But there's covenant and promises that are given to us. And all of you have heard about a covenant, right? Do you know what a covenant is? A covenant in worldly ter terms is marriage. A covenant in worldly terms are when you go to buy that house and you sign 800 million papers you can go and sit down, Luke, if you want. <laughs> and then that binds you. It's a legal contract that binds you to your home. It's a legal contract that binds you to your wife or to your husband. Well, God, in his infinite great wisdom, wanted to explain to us what a covenant is for us by him. So in the Old Testament, the covenant was the circumcision that promised God would always be with them. So that's what their covenant was. It was the circumcision. And when David stood before Goliath, what did he say to him? Who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? Who do you think you are coming against me? And my people who are circumcised and under the covenant of God, you're nothing. And I got this through him. And David did one stone 
Goliath was down. And like Pastor, when he was speaking on Goliath, he, can't, he had five stones because he knew there were four more brothers. So he came prepared. So a covenant is a promise. A covenant is something that, that glues us to God. A covenant, whoops, there goes the notes. A covenant is a binding contract for us to God. When the New Testament came in, Jesus came in and made a new covenant through his blood. Amen? So we go through, through Jesus to God, and we're covenant by the blood of Jesus. He had paid the price once and for all, never have to be. So we're, we're that old circumcision law doesn't prevail anymore for us today. It's the blood of Jesus that's our new covenant. I want to tell you real quick about a story about Joshua. And um, we all know how, you know, the walls of Jericho came down. And Joshua did a lot of good things. You know, you read a lot of miraculous things that Joshua did in the Bible. But one of the things that really stood out to me this week was there was a tribe. I forget what their names were, but there was a tribe. And um, it wasn't a small tribe. I believe it was four cities, four small cities. And David had came with all of his people. And now David was really blessed. So he came with all of his people, and, and you know, they, were, they had put their feet down in a specific area, and that's where they were staying. That's where they were um, living. And the, these four little towns got together, and they're like, oh, my gosh, David, David, we've heard about all the things. Joshua, we've heard about, I got David and Joshua going on in my head. We've heard about all the things that Joshua has done. What are we going to do? Because all it's going to take for him to get his guys up and come over and wipe every one of us out. So we got to have a plan. We're going to take old, torn clothes. We're going to roll them in the dirt. We're going to get them dirty. We're going to get our shoes with the worst pair we have. We're going to rip them a little, dust them in dirt. And we're going to all get clothed up. And we're going to go seek Joshua. And so they did. And they came to Joshua and they said, man, we've heard about the great things you've done. And, you know, we're, we're afraid that the people are going to come and attack us. And we want to break covenant with you. We want a promise with you. And Joshua asked them where you're from. And they, oh, we're from a really far, far country. See, our clothes are torn. They're full of dirt. Our shoe, shoes, half of our people don't even have shoes left from getting to you. Because we need to make a covenant with you because of what they're going to do to us. Joshua's like, okay, all right, we'll, we'll make a covenant with each other. And back then it was the cutting of blood, which was the covenant. And that's why a lot of people say cut covenant is because that's what they used to do. So Joshua made a covenant with these people, think. I forget what they were, Gibeonites maybe, and not because there's lots of ites, but I'm thinking they were the Gibeonites, and he cut a covenant with them, and they went back to their hometown when Joshua found out they lied. Has anybody ever heard this story? They lied. 
and told them that, you know, they were really a long ways off when they were just three days away. Because they feared the God of Joshua. They wanted to have a covenant with him because they knew who his God was. Joshua and his troops got all upset about this. They went over, they talked to him. You know, what did you lie to us for? On and on, you know, the story in there goes, and it's in, if you want to read it, it's in uh, Joshua chapter 9. So it tells about how Joshua says, well, we've made a covenant, and a covenant is a binding contract, and I can't pull back on that covenant. So we are now responsible to protect them. But Joshua said, let me tell you what, since you deceived us, you know what you guys are going to do? You're going to make all the stuff that we need to build our stuff. So they became stonemakers. They became, you know what I mean? Whatever it was, and Joshua used them. Well, a town was rising up, a, a group of kings were rising up against them. They sent word to Joshua, and guess what Joshua did? All of his men went down there and destroyed all the people that were coming against these people. Because of the covenant. Now, if that covenant was so strong then, how is the covenant for us now? The blood covenant of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. So in pastors, um, when he was talking on Facebook, and, and he gave a scripture, and it was out of Isaiah 45, and he read verse 3. Well, I started reading the whole chapter, and I'm like, this is perfect. This is perfect. It says, this is what the Lord says to his anointed. And who are the anointed? Aren't we the anointed of God? Whose right hand I have held to subdue the nations before him. That means, are any of you guys going through a bunch of junk today? Do any of you have mountains that seem to be in your way? Well, here's the word of the Lord. I will ungird the lions of the kings, meaning I'm going to disarm those things that are coming against you, and I'm going to begin to open doors for you so that gates will not be shut. I'm going to open doors for you so that those gates will not be shut. And then I'm going to go before you, and I'm going to level out your mountains. And I'm going to shatter the doors of bronze, and I'm going to cut through the bars of iron. Then I'm going to give you treasures of darkness. What do you mean, treasures of darkness? These are treasures that are hoarded up. So I began to research a little bit more, and especially when Pastor read that, I'm, I've read it before, but I'm like, treasures of darkness. Well, there was a king, and I don't remember names really well, but there was a king that was going to leave his, was supposed to leave everything that he had to his son. And he didn't want to. I don't know why. Maybe his son was corrupt. So instead of leaving his treasures to his son, he had ships built that took on all his treasures. He put all his treasures in ships. That says a lot, doesn't it? He didn't want his son so bad to not have those, that he just put it, all that wealth on ships 
and just send them out. So, the treasures of darkness to me means, the Bible says, the treasures of the wicked are stored up for the righteous. That's the word. That's the word. The treasures of the wicked are stored up for the righteous. And so I believe that's what that scripture means. I believe that's what Pastor was saying on that video. And it's the hidden riches of the secret places that God has for us. So that you, my people, may know who I am. I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you out by your name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and of Israel, my chosen, I have also called you by your name. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit. Because Israel was God's people. The Jewish people were God's people. But because in the New Testament, they rejected Christ, guess what happened for us? We were grafted in to that vine. All that was promised to them was now given to us. It now, it, he transferred, but he hasn't forgotten his people. I just want to make sure you know that. But he transferred all that that he had for them and gave it to us for us to benefit from. But how can we have it? If we don't possess it, we can't have it. If we don't go after it, we can't have it, right? How are you going to sit and just pray and pray and ask God and ask God while you're on the road driving, while you're walking, which there's nothing wrong with that. I get on my treadmill and God speaks to me a lot on the treadmill. I'm just letting you know, because that's when I'm shut up and I got music going. You know what I'm saying? But how can you possess what God wants you to have if you're not walking in it daily. So I have also called you by your name. I have given you a honorable name. Though you may not know me, and though you may not have known me, you know him now. I am the Lord, and there is no one else. There is no God except me. Can I get a witness? There is no God except me, says God. And I am going to embrace and I am going to arm you. Though you have not known me, that people may know from the rising to the setting of the sun, the world all over, there is no one except me, says the Lord, not one. I am the Lord and there is no other, the one forming light and creating dark darkness, causing peace and creating disaster. You mean God creates disaster? Listen, sin creates disaster and the results of sin is disaster. I cause peace and I create disaster. I am the Lord who does all these things. So heavens, rain down. Rain down from above and let those clouds begin to pour down righteousness, all the blessings of God. Let it begin to pour down. In other words, let the windows of heaven open up and begin to pour out a blessing on us that we cannot contain. 
that we cannot contain. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Everywhere our feet tried, goodness and mercy. It's what the word of God says. Follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, goodness. Now listen, I'm preaching to myself, but if we got up every morning and started our feet going, goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy. Follow me. They follow me. Amen. I think I could write a song out of that. They follow me all the days of my life. So let those clouds of blessings pour down righteousness, righteous blessings upon his people. Amen. Let the earth open up. Let salvation bear forth fruit. Let salvation bear the fruit. Let the earth open up. For I, the Lord, have created it. I, the Lord, have created it. Now listen, because this just keeps getting better to me. And so I just want you to know most of my notes, yeah, they aren't happening today. Then it goes in verse 9, but whoa, judgment is coming to him. Now listen and get this in your spirit that argues with his maker. Woes are coming to him who argues with his makers. Well, what do you mean argue? A worthless piece of broken pottery among other broken pieces, which are equally just as worthless? Shall the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or does the thing, the thing, say he has no hands? Woe, for judgment is coming to him who says to a father, who are you fathering? For the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and its maker says this, ask me about the things to come concerning my sons. Ask me, says God, and give me orders concerning the work of my hands. I made the earth, I created man upon it. My hand stretched out the heavens. I commanded all the hosts of heaven. I stirred up Cyrus and put him into action in righteousness to accomplish my purpose. I stirred up Adele, says God, and put Adele into action to accomplish my purpose. You know, when you're reading scripture, you put your name in that place. That's why God mentioned names for history purpose. But I believe for us to say, I, Adele, he was made me. And I will make all his ways smooth. How many of you want a smooth way? How many of you know it's always a bumpy way? But with God, you might go in the bump, but you come right back up again. So I will make all your ways smooth. I will build my city and I will let those that are captive go. Without any payment or any reward, says the Lord of hosts. For this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. People may come after you. This is Adele's interpretation. People may come after you. Workers may come after you. Your neighbors may say things against you. Your friend might say something against you. Somebody in church may say something that offends you. But you know what? We'll, 
What will come over to you and what will be yours is that they are going to walk behind you in chains of subjection to you. Not people, but strongholds. In chains of of possession by you. And they will bow down before you and they will make supplication to you. Humbly and earnestly saying, most certainly, God is with you. Most certainly, God is with you. There is no other God. Truly, you are a God who hides himself. O God of Israel, my Savior, they will be put to shame and also humiliated. They will be put to shame and also humiliated. We have a job, and that's to possess the land. We have a job, and that's to possess our promises. So I got this trunk. In my head, I was picturing a pirate's trunk. So just imagine it with, you know, gold. And, and I'm like, in the beginning, I thought, I'm just going to put in like little gifts and put love and healing and joy. And I'm like, Paul and I were talking and he mentioned this. I'm like, this is excellent. So inside of this trunk and how you possess it is you have to go into it in prayer. You have to go into it And then you have to possess the richest promises that belong to you. That means you have to get in this to see what belongs to you. John and Bev tell me the story all the time. I've heard it. That John got in here, got his promise, clung to the word that God gave him, and is cancer-free. But he had to do it by grabbing a promise of God. Paul would always tell me all the time, well, what's the word you're standing on? He used to aggravate me beyond belief when he'd say that. (laughs) Well, I'm standing on the word. Well, what word is it? Really? (laughs) But it's true. The Bible says we can pray amiss. He wants our, our prayers to be lined up with the word of God. How can our prayers be lined up with the word of God if we don't know his word? This is a deed. It's a document. You guys work at U.S. Steel, right? Whatever steel company you work at. Paul always uses the illustration about them giving him his benefit package. If you didn't know what your benefits are, how do you know what you'd have when you were done working? You read what you were going to have when you got done retiring, right? You know what's going to be in your pocket or in your bank when you're done because you read it. How do you know what the will, the purpose, and the gifts of God are for your life if you don't read the promise? Are you hurting? Go into the Word and find something about hurting. Are you feeling hopeless? Go into the word and find something about feeling hopeless and and without and depleted. The word of God is going to lift you up. People are going to fail you. Just know that. People, listen, they failed Jesus. So who do we think we are that people aren't going to fail us, right? Get ready, Brenda. I'm about to pass over the baton. We're not, we're not an exception. If Je- I mean, my goodness, he got betrayed by one of the 12 that was with him the whole time. 
So who do we think we are if we let people ruffle our feathers, get offended, walk out and leave the church? Did Jesus, thank you, God, get offended and say, I ain't going on the cross. Forget it. I mean, really, don't we do that? I ain't helping them no more. Forget it. Do you know what I mean? He didn't do that. He said, no, my love covers a multitude of wrongdoings. His love covers everything. So we have these hidden treasures in dark, because I want you to know if you closed anybody up in here, it'd be a dark place. These hidden treasures in the dark places, which means they're not going to jump out, grab your hand, and then make you read it. You have to dig into the precious promises of God. You have to dig way down way down, and pull out your promise. Is there a promise you need? I know there's a promise you need. Get in that word, grab that promise, and pray it every day. Every day. And don't relent. Don't give up, because God doesn't. You get that. John, how long you been hanging on to that promise God gave you? Six years now, and you remind God of it all the time. Six years now. How many of us have given up on promises? Come on, Brenda, get up here. <laughs> so I want you to know, and real quick, and then I'm going to pass it over to Brenda. I sound like Paul now. Uh, I love you, baby. Anyway, there is a, um, a uh, promise, a covenant is like a will. It's our la it was God's last will and testament. That was Jesus. And so I was asking Paul about a story he tells all the time. And it, it, you've probably heard it. If you heard it, bear with me, because I did a little bit of studying on the person that gave this story, and it was Spurgeon. And um, what was, what's his first name? Charles Spurgeon. So I did a little re research on Charles Spurgeon, and he came across this widow that, that he was ministering to, and she had taken care of... Um, a very wealthy lady, and the wealthy lady died, and I kind of feel like this w person that took care of her couldn't read. And, and at the, the dying of this woman that she was taking care of, um, they handed her the, the, this beautiful paper, and the woman's like, oh, this is the most beautiful paper I've ever seen. I'm going to put it in a frame, and I'm going to hang it right here. Right, just kind of like that. Isn't that beautiful? And so every morning she would get up and she'd just look at that. Oh, that was so nice what that woman left me. And Charles Spurgeon came in to her home to pray for her because she was dying. She was poor. She was in poverty, bad poverty. He walked in to pray for her and he happened to look on the wall. And he walks over and he goes, where did you get this from? Well, I used to take care of this lady, and when she died, they gave me this. He goes, do you know what you have? All her possessions. You inherited everything. I got goosebumps. You inherited everything she owned. But because she didn't read it or even ask someone to read it, she didn't know what belonged to her. She didn't know 
what belonged to her. Charles Spurgeon was a wealthy man, a wealthy man. He was a great preacher. And from the things I read, I forget how much they said he was... He had accumulated through all his books and his sermons and every place. That he, he, but I want to say it was like 20 or 200 million in our time now. So much money. Do you know that Charles Spurgeon died poor? What? How could he have died poor? Because he gave it all away. He built the church. He put all his money in the church, all the money that came into him from his books. He gave to people in need. He gave to organizations and orphanages he sponsored over and over, tons and tons. Because as God gave it to him, he gave it right back. Now, I'm not saying you need to be poor. I'm just saying he had a connection. And you know what? It just kept going. He could not ever outgive God. But in the end, he gave, he gave, he gave. He didn't need it in heaven. What are we going to do with money in heaven? And you know what? We aren't even going to get to see our kids spend it in heaven. Do you know what I'm saying? So I just want to leave you with this word. There are hidden treasures for you. Hidden they're stored up. They're bought by the blood of Jesus. He paid the price. He was the covenant. And he left his last will and testament to us. The Bible says you don't have because you do not ask. So you get in that word. You grab the promise that's for you. And you go on. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.